Hey everybody, welcome to Thumbnail of Visual Arts Podcast. I'm Joe Rosher, illustrator, animator, and adjunct professor. And I'm Louis Rosignal, visual artist. And today we're going to be talking about expectation versus reality as far as being a full-time artist. This is obviously before we became full-time artists, we had an expectation of what it would be like. I always like those expectation versus reality videos like yeah. on TikTok and YouTube because... Or photos, the photo comparisons. Yeah. yeah. And so I thought this might be interesting because we can kind of talk about what we expected when we were in school or even before school versus what it's like. And there's things that are better than I thought. And then there's definitely things that are worse than I thought. No matter what you do for work, even if it's something you love doing, after you do it for long enough, it's a job. It turns into a job. And they say like, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But I don't think that's necessarily true because I do feel like sometimes I'm working and it's not as fun as I hoped. But and I'm not trying to complain because I know that we're very fortunate to be able to do what we love. Right. But yeah, I agree. Especially, yeah, I don't like that whole phrase because it doesn't give us credit for the work we're actually doing. Right. And it is work. And yeah, I love doing it. But there's a lot more to it. And there's a lot more hats we have to wear in order to make that reality. Yeah. And it's, it's just a lot you don't know behind the scenes. We may have spoken about this like last podcast, but you just moved into a new studio. Yep. And right now it's like all exciting. But after you've been there a while, it's going just to be like your studio and you'll be used to it. And right. that wears off too. But I'm sure now it's still fresh and you're super excited about it. Yeah, now it's super exciting. And it's fun to rethink like your your pipeline your, or your production process and trying to make things more streamlined and what to do with the extra space you have. How do you make better business choices around that? It definitely freshens up a stale environment or like really gets you out of a rut. Let's put it that way. I think we deal with the exact opposite problem. You're like, what should I do with all this extra space? And I'm trying to figure <laughs> out how to like, how to maximize a small space, but still maximizing the space you have. And I think that's yeah. important to, to do. But you have like enough space in there where you could have like an area for colored pencil drawings and an area for <laughs> mark. You could like separate everything into little areas if you wanted to. Right. Whereas I have to have a transformer desk that transforms from mixed media into printmaking. And, you know, it's a one size fits all type thing. I am getting a, a fold out desk. It comes out of the wall. That's going to be installed. Cool. Yeah. So that I'll, ha I'll be able to store all my new printmaking stuff in that. And then I can just put it all away because it has a built-in shelf too. Yeah. I watched that Tiny House Nation. Have you ever seen that? I love that. Yeah. I love the Tiny House stuff. And those people live in such small areas. They have to figure out like, how can I have a desk or something that isn't in the way when I'm not using it? Right. I always wonder if I'll ever want one just for my studio. You know, and just have a tiny house studio that you could travel around with. <laughs> and there's so many cool ideas. There's also a new show. I don't know how new it is, but I just got into it. And it's all about tree houses. Yes. And this guy builds basically homes in tree houses. Yeah. And they're kind of like tiny houses, but in the air, I guess. Man, that's a really cool show too. That's my dream studio. That's my actual dream studio is having it in a tree fort. Isn't that crazy cool? Like I just watched one where it was like these people and they had five kids and they were building one for their daughter for when she came home from college so she had a place to stay and i'm thinking like if i was one of the other kids i'd be so jealous like why don't i get to live in the treehouse right are they older or younger you know it's like oh do i get a treehouse when i'm that old or yeah like or it's obvious favorites being played yeah because <laughs> you know how kids are it's like all about everything has to be fair yeah. or they'll call you on it so if you give one kid a treehouse you kind of got to give them all a treehouse home <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> 
they had like a hundred and fifty thousand dollar budget for a tree house. I'm thinking like I don't even have that for a regular house. Right. <laughs> They don't tell you what they do for work, but I'm assuming he's probably like a plastic surgeon or something. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so so let's get into it. Expectation versus reality. reality. You can talk about before you were in school or while you were in school, like, what did you picture be like working as an artist was going to look like for you? Before even applying to schools, I still had the mindset that you can't make money as an artist. So will I have the, the quality of life that I want? Like, get to do the things that I want to do, even though it's something I love. And these are questions I had to find out and ask and go on tours, go to art schools and ask these questions, ask actual artists and stuff, how practical it is and was. Because I came from a family who are not artists. Those in my family who did love art and like drawing and stuff, like great grandparents and stuff, weren't professional artists. They were just very good at it. And they were also doctors, you know. And then my parents, they didn't know anything at all about the art world. And so right. I had to find these answers myself to the point where like right to the very end of or last minute of applying to places, I was wondering if I should be applying you know, for med school or to be a physical therapist or surgeon. You know, I was actually looking into med school at the same time as looking into being an artist and I'm juggling these two things. Obviously, passion prevailed and found out that, you know, you work hard enough and you can have a successful career in the arts. So that was kind of the beginning of it. And then on top of that, I'm like, well, I still want a certain lifestyle within the arts. So when I applied to art school and when I started art school, I thought graphic design was the way to go because you actually can get a job. And there's so many design jobs and it's actually very practical. Like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. But then again, switched my expectations and reality once in school and transitioned to illustration and really continued my passion. You know what I'm thinking too? Like, I think 10 years ago, is that about when you were thinking like this? When did you start art school? Uh, 2007. Yeah, so more than 10 years ago. And I think you were probably right on at that time, like graphic design. If you're thinking like, okay, I'm going to go to art school. How can I make it more likely that I'll at least get a job when I'm done? Right. And graphic design was at that time, probably the best chance you had. Although now I'm almost wondering if illustration's a better bet because there's so many programs now that make it easier for people to do their own graphic design and their own website creation and all sorts of things like that. But illustration, you you still have to have a talent and a skill to do, you know, so. I think that's very true. I think things are shifting like that. And it really depends on how well your creative muscle works and how well your skill is. And at the same time, you're also learning a lot of these design principles where you could still take on these design jobs that pop right. up, you know, so you're, you're so versatile and you could jump into other things like animation or game industry or logo design, comic books, picture books. By having a drawing skill and ability, you do op- open things up. more. Even like technical drawing, like if you want to get a little more less, I don't want to say less creative. It's you just still different. need a skill. It's just different. It's a skill. And so you're still developing a skill. I think so. Because I'm thinking of all the illustrators I know, professional illustrators. And I don't know any of them that couldn't do graphic design jobs, but I can think of some graphic designers that would have trouble doing illustration jobs for sure. Most. Yeah. And so learning illustration is, it might be the better bet. And 
most schools offer minors or you could at least take like what i did is i didn't have a minor but i took a ton of graphic design courses yeah same as some of my electives so that i technically have an illustration degree but leans very strongly into graphic design too because i enjoy doing that same i almost like saying that i have a double major but that like wasn't that wasn't a thing when when i was in school but i would have been like maybe one or two classes shy of a double major. So let's break this down because this is where when I was saying in the beginning, some of the expectations I had, the reality isn't as good as the expectation, but then some are the other way around where you're expecting something and then the reality is better. And you spoke about that doubt that probably most artists have, like, am I even going to be able to make a living doing this? Right. And the expectation is you may not. It's a gamble. But the reality for both of us is that we are. We're making a living. So that is better than maybe what we expected. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Right. Did you expect to be a freelancer coming out of school or were you expecting a job? I was expecting that I would probably have to get some type of a part-time job that didn't have to do with art so that I can try to do the art like on the side and then it wouldn't really be any money that I would depend on for the first few years and I would slowly build into it. Because that's what I was told and that may be the reality for a lot of people. But thankfully for me, the expectation wasn't true and the reality was I never had to get another job. I was able to manage to make money and, you know, it wasn't a lot out of school, but it was enough to keep me afloat and I didn't have a lot of bills and I lived simply. And then, you know, the last few years, it's just gotten better and better. So the reality's definitely been better than my expectation for sure, in that way, in the way of being able to actually make money doing it. Right. My expectation was that I was going to get a job. And my expectation right. like, was no, that you weren't going to do freelance. I was not going to do freelance. And I was going to work for a studio in the animation industry or game industry and do concept design or storyboarding or character design or something, right? Something in a larger studio. I thought that it would just be a, a done deal if I worked hard enough and I put all the time I possibly can into my work, I would be seen and picked up, right? Yeah. But that was a gross miscalculation, I think, on my part. And even though I tried to be seen and I applied and applied and applied and applied, uh, it went nowhere at the time and I had to figure out what I was going to do. Yeah. And so that was a difference between reality and expectation. And I think that's what brought me in freelancing. I think there's like part of almost every student that hopes that they can find some type of a job because they understand that freelancing is a lot more unstable. Mm-hmm. And, and I know for a fact that if I had graduated and somebody offered me like a full-time job doing graphic design or something like that for like a firm, I would have taken that job. Even if it was like, you know, we'll pay you $45,000 a year. Even if I knew there wasn't really much chance for growth, I still probably would have taken it. And maybe I would have regretted that because it would have been good money right at the school, but you know, who knows where I'd, I might still be doing that. And so it's hard to bet on yourself sometimes. You it know is. what I mean? Like yeah. you think, oh, this is such a good opportunity. But if you really are confident in yourself and you do have the grit and the determination, I think you can make freelancing work. It's just a matter of having that grit. Yeah. More than talent, it's putting the work in. You're right. That's exactly the other scenario I've been seeing is I've talked to people who do work in the animation or game industry and they have worked in it for a long time and they've been trying since the very beginning to get out and do 
what we're doing already, you know, and, and they would drop all of what they had if, if they felt like they could do what we're doing. And so sometimes just starting with nothing and building is a benefit because uh, you don't know what's not possible. For sure. And so then you do start to bet on yourself and realize that that's the best investment. You know, that's far better than, in my mind, I'd rather invest in myself than invest in other companies because I know that if I work hard, I could 10 times my money on that dollar. Like I could spend $10 and I could, I know I could make a thousand dollars on that, you know, yeah. and boom, boom, boom. And so I, I think uh, it's a little bit different mindset, even from the other perspective of what we think might've been a fortunate path. For sure. If I had got offered a job, I would have thought, this is awesome. I'm so lucky I'm taking it, but it's the different mindset and sticking to it. So I think we both agree that the expectation we had for, at least for money, it, it was just like, you'd be lucky to, to make money as an artist and, and it's, yeah. a, it's kind of a gamble. What about schedule wise? Like, what did you think your days would be filled with when you thought about your job as a full-time artist? I think at first I fell into a similar trap that I think most people fall into. You think you're going to be spending 90% of your time doing whatever you want to do, drawing whenever you want to draw, like whatever you want to draw. And that was your hat. Like that's what you did. And, and then the 10% would be like uh, the other business end. But it's like, whoa, it's almost close to flip. It's probably more like 25% actually doing. Yeah the work the rest is planning or business hats or trying to figure out your pipelines or social media networking website stuff all the other business stuff takes over the actual making of the art and you have to think of the actual making of the art as the business but now since the way well the way we took took it on is we're running a business by ourselves mm -hmm. and so you look at any small business even like a restaurant like one person couldn't run that restaurant by themselves. Right. Maybe if it was a food cart. And so you got to think of it that way. It's like with growth, you're either going to need to hire or you need to have to give up time to fill that position yourself. And usually you have to fill that position yourself because you don't have the money to pay someone to do that. So you invest your time in order to fill that position and invest your time to fill the other position. So you have like at least three other positions you're, you're investing your time into. And now you only have 25% of your time left. Yeah. That's the hardest part when you're getting to that stage where you think maybe I need to hire one other person to help because it's uh, then I'm going to lose some of the money I'm making and I will have help. But is it even worth it? Or is it worth just me buckling down and, and spending a few more hours a week doing some work? But I agree with you 100%. Like I envisioned drawing 90% of the time and making art 90% of the time. And then like, oh, I'll spend my first 10 minutes of the day answering an email or something. Right. It is almost reversed. I think I probably spend about 30% of my time drawing, something like that. So if you're thinking like, I love art, I want to do it full time, just realize social media is a huge part of it. Emails are a huge part of it, trying to find clients. And so if you're not in love with those things, you have to realize that's going to be a big part of your day. And so it's not all just fun and games. Let's put it that way. It really does boil down to the fact that it is a job. I have to say, though, the times that I am spending 90% of my time actually doing the work is when I find a larger project. And I'm yes. working with an ad agency 
and I'm now responsible for an animation, I can now kind of shut off the other parts of my business for a bit and spend 90% of my time focusing on this large project. I don't now have to worry about where like that money flow is coming in. I can let the 10% kind of coast in the background and still keep everything going, all my other aspects of my business going, but they're not getting my attention. And so with the bigger projects, you can be lucky enough to do the 90%, 10%, but that's not all the time. That's also one of the pros of working for like an agency where they're the ones getting the clients Mm -hmm. and then they just assign you a job to do. So you, you end up probably doing more of the actual creating, but you're also making somebody else money and they're paying you a salary. So you're, you're only making a cut of it, but you do probably end up spending more of the time creating depending on what you're doing for the agency. So that can be a bonus. But when you work for yourself as a freelancer, you have to do all of the work. You have to find the clients, you have to find the jobs, which is a huge portion of your time and bill them and then try to get paid. And if you're used to having a regular paycheck, you come to find out, oh, people don't pay on time. And you have to sometimes persist and almost beg people to pay you the money they owe you, you know. Here's a fun expectation versus reality or another one we can think of is uh, work-life balance. What did you expect and what is your reality? Uh, My expectation was that I would be able to balance it obviously better. I thought I would be able to do like a few days a week where I worked and because I work for myself, I'll just do like three or four days of work and then have three days off and just do what I want. And of course, I want to draw. So, I'm not saying like when I'm working, I'm not doing what I want. But the fact is, it's hard to take your mind off of your work when you work for yourself. Mm -hmm. And so, I'm often coming up into the studio and working on days that I probably should have off, right? Yeah. And so, I work more than I thought I would. But I'm pretty good at keeping balanced as far as like, okay, it's my wife's day off. We're going to go do something. I'm not going to work today. If she And especially if we have plans. So, I'm I'm okay at it. But I definitely could be better and thought it would be easier to do. What about you as far as like what you expected first? Through high school, I was by far not a workaholic. I was doing what I had to do to get the A minus, you know, and then as soon as I did enough, I just stopped, you know, so high school was very easy for me and I just kind of coasted where when I got into college, that's where my true like workaholic came out because I was finally doing the thing that I won't do all the time. I was putting in, you know, 12 to 14 hours a day just working on my projects because I I knew like that was what I needed to do. And I was happy doing it. It's like, I'm expecting to do this for the rest of my life. I'll, I'll work 12 to 14 hour days every single day to make this work. And, I, and sure, it's a lot of work, but I'll still enjoy it. And so my expectation was that, and that did happen. And that was accurate. As a entrepreneur, as a freelancer, you are always thinking about work, even when you don't have yeah. it. And you're always thinking about the next thing or what you should be doing. And there's always a list of stuff you want to do. And so you're checking things off the list there. And So my expectation was pretty accurate, but in reality is a mistake. And I think I've been trying very hard to have better work-life balance where I need to forcibly turn off. Like even when I'm not working, I am thinking about it, but I have to try to give myself a break and have certain limitations. Like now I used to just wake up when I woke up and that was awesome. And then I'd work when I felt like working, when I felt most optimal. 
when everything was just aligned. And that's how I worked for like, you know, probably the first five years of freelance. Yeah. And I thought that was the life. But then I slowly realized that not having the structure was not beneficial and it was not optimizing my productivity. And there was actually something to this, you know, nine to five hour work week and weekends. Like there's oddly some science behind that, you know, and it's like you start to realize, oh, shit. And especially when I think it mainly showed when my girlfriend has that kind of a schedule. So maybe if you were with someone who also just woke up willy nilly whenever they wanted and made whatever they wanted when they wanted, it would work. But yeah. if the person you want to spend time with has a schedule and you have the ability to mold to that schedule, why that's going to improve your life balance. So, yeah. so it was very important for me to now basically clean up shop every day at six-ish and go home for dinner and make dinner. And so then I have that time and then like walk the dog in the morning before work. And so that's nice. And then trying to keep my weekends open from work, but doesn't mean I won't work on something I want to work on personally. So like maybe now my personal projects are a weekend thing to still hold on to the spark that makes it. And it's a little different. It's always a little different when you're working on your own work and, and the joy of that. For sure. So I think this is a, a whole scenario where my expectations, I think, were right on the money based on how I knew how I worked. But in reality, uh, I think it was wrong to think that way and to, and to work that way. Well, like also probably when you first started, if you were single, it's a lot easier to just kind of mm. work willy nilly. But you're right. Like if you're working for yourself, you set yourself a schedule. I'm going to work nine to five. And then you come home from your studio at like 730 or eight. You can't just say like, oh, I had to work late. My boss made me work late because you know, you work for yourself. So it's like, you know, your girlfriend or your wife might think that you're being inconsiderate. You could have come home early or you make your own schedule, really. Mm -hmm. I think I basically try to make my decisions based on priorities. So like, you know, I have my relationship with my wife is a higher priority than my work. Mm -hmm. And so I make my schedule around her work. I mean, she can control her schedule a little bit where she works, but not as much as I can. And so if she wants to go do something on a Wednesday with me, then if I have a job that I'm doing, I'll just push it to Thursday or, you know, do extra yeah. work Tuesday. Right. And so we've, we're very thankful that we have that ability to do that. Right. So yeah, the expectation versus reality. I think my expectation for it was probably about where the reality lies as far as time management. And you know what? It's funny, like when you're going to school for art, I think you're so focused on like, am I going to be able to even make a living doing this? that it's hard to even have that many other expectations of like, what am I going to be like with time management? And a lot of times think, I'll figure it out. If I can actually just manage to even have a career in the arts, I'll just figure that stuff out, right? Right. In a lot of ways. I don't know if, if maybe that's not relatable, but that's how I felt. And I think that's true for most. Or once you get to a level, you level up. Every time you level up, I think it's human nature to not want to give that up. And so you, you will find a way to make that work and you keep doing that. The tricky thing is to just not level up too much too quick. Right. And to take smaller steps rather than giant steps. What about expectation versus reality as far as working with clients and how much you'd enjoy it versus or how you thought it would be the, the type of relationship you would have versus how it actually is? I can talk a little bit about it too. Yeah, that's tricky. I guess I never thought it would be as hard as it is to not only find clients, 
but how to work with them. And it's not always like a what I say goes thing. It's more of a what they say goes thing. And how do you tweak and bend in order to still make something that you're proud of is probably the biggest difference there. The other hard thing about that question is that it's so different from client to client. Like almost my entire process is different for every client based on how I talk to them or how we talk about money, how we come to agreements. Right. It's this song and dance that you always have to kind of be fluid with. You have these kind of guidelines and ticket items that you have to tick it off in in the back of your mind, but how you go about it is kind of the art of, (laughs) almost said the art of the deal. It's kind of the art of of the deal. It really is. It really is. It's always a little bit different. So you have to kind of be fluid and you have to find, I screwed up a lot and failed a lot, but that has helped me become better at being more fluid and winning business. So I think art school actually changed my expectation of working with clients because before I went in, I was like gung-ho, like this is going to be awesome. I love drawing. So what could be bad about drawing for clients? And then once I got there and I started having assignment and, you know, I know Mech is pretty good at making assignments that mimic the real world and like trying to get you to do editorial illustration and different types of illustrations that you might get hired for. And then, you know, the teachers are giving you critique and feedback and you're doing like sketching and rounds of sketches and refining your work into a finished piece. So you had this idea of how it was going to work based on that. And by the end of art school, I kind of was like, I don't really love that whole process as much as I was hoping. And then I also kind of thought like, well, that's just how it works. That's the process. In my mind, I thought everybody is going to contact me and they're going to hire me for a job and they're going to want a round of uh, rough sketches and then a second round of sketches where they give me feedback on like color choices and things and then I'll give them like final piece. So I thought that's how every client was going to be. Right. That was my expectation. But the reality is that every client is so different and a lot of them have never hired an illustrator before or have never hired an artist to do a commissioned piece. And so you can kind of make the rules in in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? You can say, no, this is how I work. And, you know, there are definitely clients that follow those rules, like the New York or companies that hire illustrators all the time. They do have like a very set way of doing it. But I know most of the clients I have had, for the most part, I was able to kind of dictate how I worked and let them see if they'd like to continue with me. Or if they didn't like that, they could maybe find someone else. But I was definitely more flexible than I thought the reality was more flexible than what I envisioned. Yeah, same. And putting value on yourself instead of value on the actual work, the price value fluctuates too. And as you grow as an artist and as you grow as a business, you realize what value certain things actually bring to the table. And that changed for me too. I always thought going into it that no matter what, a drawing is a drawing, so it's this much money. Yeah. For anyone who does a drawing of a drawing, you know, mm-hmm. at that size. You know, I always thought there was like fixed fees for things as if it was a candy bar. I mean, a candy bar is only going to fluctuate so much in price from one place to another and skyrocket in places, you know, that they can gouge you. And so I always thought like that was the range, but it's, it's a lot different based on who it's for. And there's just so many different line items you have to keep account of as far as when you're pricing work and figuring out that. And that was an expectation and reality difference that I found right pretty early. I also wasn't expecting how many people were going to like reach out that weren't even that serious about hiring me. Like how much for a commission? And I would answer like all of those little things 
I don't always now because I get a lot of people, they never respond or whatever. So I kind of gauge it based on like how much they're asking. Like if someone just says how much for a commission, I don't always respond. But if they say like, I want a picture of my father who passed away last year and I want to get you to do a portrait, then okay, now that I can tell they're more serious. So I've had so many people reach out, say how much for a commission. I tell them I need more information from you before I can give you a price or whatever. And then they never hear back. So they clearly weren't serious because I didn't even give them a price. It's not like I gave them a price and it was too much that I didn't hear back. I just said, I'm just going to need more information right. about like the size and what exactly you're looking for. Yeah, it's tricky. That's again, something you have to judge on a person by person basis. And how they come to you asking a question isn't always the same too. Right. What mood I'm in too. Like sometimes two people might ask the exact same question and one day I'm feeling like answering and one day that question just annoys me because I get it so often. Yeah. So. Or one day you just happen to be slow. Yeah, you have the time. And you can take on some little tiny project. It's hard too because you don't know who's going to be serious and who isn't. I've had people that say like, how much for commission? That, and it ends up turning out to be like a great job. Right. You know, it's really hard to tell, but I just wasn't prepared for how many people that just weren't that serious about hiring you to do work that would reach out anyway Yeah, and like waste your time, I guess. Yeah. I think that's another thing I learned too, is you don't know who's going to give you the great job and you never know yeah. who that's going to be and you never know who they know. And so I always try to, to be open enough and try not to judge even when I think it's going to go down a more sour path. I try to treat everyone the same at first. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Give them the benefit of the doubt. There has been many times where I've misjudged and found great work out of situations, you know, thought or throwaway situations. Yep. So yeah, you just, you don't always know when that's that. the hard thing. And like you said, if you have more time, you're more likely to answer people. Yeah. How about this reality versus expectation? How much of your money that you make, like that you actually get to keep versus taxes? Because it's basically like, how much money that you're generating, you're going to keep less than half. Oh, yeah. After you've paid your expenses and your taxes. And that's not something that I was expecting. I guess I just didn't give it as much thought. Okay, so if I need $75,000 a year to live on, I actually have to sell $150,000 worth of art. Yeah. And that's a lot of money. So you have to think of that. When you go get a job, they'll tell you your salary. It's going to be 50 grand a year or whatever. And you can figure out, okay how much I'm going to take home. But when you work for yourself, you really have to basically double. Whatever you need to take home, you need to double that mm -hmm. somehow. What about you as far as what you were expecting with that? I wasn't expecting how much money I was going to funnel back into the business. Yeah. Right. Even if you made 50 grand that year. But when you think about all the expenses and materials, and different big buys, and a lot of times I'll have big buys every year where I'm replacing technology. Or right getting a new printer or something else that makes the production higher, better, better quality, easier. It's always business related and it is tax deductible, but it's, it's money that I'm not like seeing at the very end. And so what I actually clear, yeah, what I clear is maybe 25% of, of that 100%. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, after I paid off all my expenses and reinvested into the business to then be able to make more money later. And so it is a slow game at first, but I think once I hit like the eight or 10 year mark, I finally had a good handle on my equipment and the cycle that the equipment was in. And so I could be more prepared for when things would die and be more prepared 
to keep growing and not plateau. That's a good point. So I'd almost say, yeah, we were thinking 50%. I almost think it's more like 25% is what you're actually making. It's definitely less than 50. It's probably different from every artist too, depending on how much you put it back in. I'd say for me, it's probably between like 35 and 40, but I'm not 100% sure. But the fact is you just have to make a lot more money than you think in order to actually make a living. I'm probably in that range too. I like to underestimate. I'm curious this year though, because they're not doing payroll taxes right now because of the pandemic. So they may really have a great tax break for people that work for themselves next year. When we do our taxes, I bet there'll be some type of a huge break. That'd be nice. So usually I owe, but man, maybe next year because of what's going on right now, they'll they'll have some type of a a break. I really hope they do because everyone else seems to be getting one. Mm -hmm. I haven't got anything in help, so it would be good to have that at least. And I haven't been doing that great a job saving money (laughs) yet. (laughs) I got to start doing that. Well, I originally was going to pay those quarterly payments, Mm -hmm. but I just haven't been able to. I I had good intentions, but... (laughs) Oh, for your taxes? Yeah, so that at the end of the year, I wouldn't have it. All the bill at once. It's survival mode, so you kind of want to hang on to that. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. There is usually a penalty if you don't, but I think with this pandemic, they're not going to have that penalty because there's going to be too many people that won't be able to make those payments. Do you know how much that penalty is? It's not much. I think it's like 200 bucks or something. It's not like a huge penalty, but it's annoying. Right. I paid it last year, I think. I think it was $175 because I didn't make any payments. It's kind of annoying because at the end of the year, I made a full payment. It's not like I'm making payments on ice wrote a checkout for the entire amount. So I don't know really why I should have to pay a penalty. It's not like they didn't get their money. And then sometimes it's worth it. Do I want to spend that time uh, four times a year or one time a year? <laughs> Is it going to be the same amount of time spent in order to do all that paperwork? Yeah. And online stuff and writing the check and going to the post office once or three times. And so, you know, you break that penalty down. It's probably worth the penalty. <laughs> it's probably Yeah, it just, it just depends. That's how I felt. I was just like, it's not worth it. And like, it's so hard because they base your quarterly payments on how much you made the year before. And when you're freelance, your money kind of always is going up and down. Yeah, that's also something I kind of felt was a little bit bullshit of that scenario, because I'd be better off using that money to reinvest into equipment. And so it's deductions that would be taken anyways. And at times, like, what if I invested enough to get a net like zero? Right. And then so it's just, it was a huge investment into the next big level that next year should gross way more. You know, so I think I like holding on to the the cash flow myself and then just paying what you actually owe at the end. But it's probably not, it's probably not the best way to do it. No, I'm agreeing with you. I don't think it's always the best. But the point I was just making is expectation versus reality on taxes is definitely, well, I I guess I didn't really know what to expect. And, and, like we talked about before too, like we thought maybe we would work for someone else, you know, have a full-time job somewhere and then that, then you wouldn't have to worry about taxes. I've worked for myself before and done some subcontracting work when I used to do like house painting and interior painting. So I kind of had an idea, but there's not a lot of expenses when you do that. And so I didn't have a lot of deductibles and I was doing it part-time. So I wasn't making that much money doing it. It was just like a side gig. So I didn't really have the full scope of what it's like. I think taxes is probably one of the things that surprised me the most as far as what I wasn't expecting. And it's daunting. I'm really glad I got help with that. I expected it would be something easy enough. I could just do the whole TurboTax thing with myself. And there was just so much that I didn't know that if I did do that, 
I would be paying a lot more, you know? Right. And so that, I guess that's a whole nother thing. It's a whole nother can of worms, but. Yeah. Is there anything else you can think of that you were expecting differently than what it is? Because we covered a good amount of different things, different topics. I had a couple written down. I couldn't think of any more than that that were much different. I didn't expect art school to be as hard as it was. I went into it thinking that I'd learn a lot and stuff and I'd try really hard, but uh, it was far more difficult than my expectations. And I think it's different than what even like my friends perceive art school as being. Right. And so like they even perceive art school as being real easy. But when I'm listening to what they're doing versus what I did, it's like way, way harder than any other major I could have chose. You spend a lot of time on your assignments and your projects. So I would agree with that. I'm trying to think if hard is the right word. Hard might not be the right word. It might be, I think, time consuming. I think I'm... You just put a lot of work into it. it's more work. More work and time consuming. I spend more time just working than I thought I would. So it kind of mimics real life in that way. You're just not prepared for it as much when you're going into school. A lot of times, too, people are going into art school right out of high school. So I had a little bit of a different reality because I was coming into it from you know, 15 years of actually working. And so I had a pretty good idea of how hard life was, you know, right. in general, just like paying bills and it's just hard, you know, it's a grind. Yeah. And so that was a different perspective than I think most of the students that I was in school with where this, maybe it was the hardest work they ever did because high school wasn't that hard. It was a lot of work, but I found it to be like a break almost from what I had been doing. Yeah. So it just depends on, I guess, where you're coming from. Yeah. But if you're coming right out of high school, I would say it's going to be probably the hardest work you've ever done. Yeah. For sure. Easily. Which good, it prepares you because you should be working hard if you're going to try to become a, a full-time artist. It's not, it's not easy. Did you find it to be easier after art school? When I was done, it's like, yeah, it's, it has its difficulties. Like you have to find your work and all that stuff. It's all normal business stuff. But I found life to be easier because I, I didn't have to go to class. I didn't have to do all these assignments. I didn't have to do everything at once. I could focus on more specific things. Even if I was still spending the same amount of time in a day, yep. it felt like it was easier. Yeah, I think overall, as you get older, I know my life is just better than it was 10 or 15 years ago in general because, you know, you learn a lot as you're going on. Right. You know, it's like... Things get better in some ways, but then you're getting older, so you're sore and in the morning. And it's almost like it should be the other way around where you start your life as like old and decrepit. And then as you get younger and healthier, you're learning. So you can right. really enjoy the time because most people, you always hear about like the 1% and millionaires and stuff. But I think it's like over 90% of people that are millionaires are like over 50. And most of them would give their whole wealth away if they could be 18 again. So it's like you shouldn't really be too jealous of people that are rich because wealth and money is just nothing compared to youth and energy. It's like a balance. But yeah, I think for sure, as I get older, my life gets easier because, you know, making a little bit more money, I'm smarter. It's just, I know what I'm doing more. Right. If your life's getting worse as you get older, then that's not good. <laughs> right. But it happens. I mean, obviously things could change tomorrow. My wife could get in a car crash and die and then my life's a mess again. So. Right. Things are so fragile. And it happens and it will happen, but it's, it's all about how you pick yourself back up or I guess it's a case-by-case case thing. I didn't mean to be depressing. I read something that said, a successful marriage ends with one person watching the other person die, <laughs> which is like, <laughs> that's true. That's successful, right? Because you made it till the end of your life and you're still married. 
but it's super depressing when you think of it like that. Yeah, it is depressing. Oh, another fact that I thought was interesting, sorry to get off track, but I was talking about the 1% and it said that pets are the 1% of animals because they like live in the nicest houses. They get their food served to them, right? So they're right. like the 1% of animals. I thought that was kind of an interesting take, but it's true. It is interesting. And then they might be looking outside at a stray dog. He's like, oh, they have their freedom. If only I had yeah. freedom to do what he's doing. And then he's looking in. Oh, if only I had food on my plate mm -hmm. and a belly rub every day. That's an interesting. That's so true. Everyone always does that. So they look at someone else and think, if only that, I'd be better off. I have friends that make a great living but they do work that they hate. And so I wouldn't yeah. want to be in their shoes. And as you get older, I think you realize that like there's pros and cons to everyone's life and be happy with what you have and grateful. That was a big moment for me to learn how to appreciate what I have instead of constantly be thinking about what I don't have or what I can't afford. Just like, just be appreciative of what you have and be appreciative of how far you've come and things will work out and you can use what you have. Keep using what you have to move yeah. forward and fine. People just aren't grateful. Like we live in a country where we can literally draw pictures for a living, right? We have the freedom that we can do that. Some people, they're so busy like trying to harvest their own food and they just don't have time to do things like that they love because their life is so hard. And right. so we should be grateful for that. So the reality is, I mean, I, I don't know who we're talking to out there, but I think your life is probably better than you think and you should be definitely grateful. We're ending with like a inspirational preachy. Be, be grateful for what you have <laughs> thing. But we really should. And I'm super great. I didn't want to do this episode just to complain. Like I thought being an artist was going to be super easy and fun and I have to answer emails. This sucks. Like that's not my point of this at all. It was just, oh, it's different than what I thought. And maybe it'd be interesting to talk about because there's a lot of people that are thinking about going into the art field. And Ultimately, it's far better than I ever thought it'd be. And I always thought it would be great. And I think it's only getting better. And I still hear it and always heard it. It's like, you just have to keep pushing. You just have to keep pushing through. You'll get there. You'll get there. It's been, what, 10 years out of college. And I'm finally feeling like um, getting somewhere. Stick with it. It's a slow path, especially when you don't have like the immediate income to just funnel into it. I sometimes imagine well, if, if I had a hundred grand to drop on my business after graduation, would I be in a different place? I think so. I th like almost 100% so. Would I have learned the same? No, I would not have learned right. the same things. I don't think I'd be as solid of a business person in all accounts. <laughs> I think this was a good topic. I had fun talking about it a little bit because it's something I think about and take time to stop and actually like ponder exactly how my life is versus what I thought. Like you said, I think overall it's better than what I thought it would be. And I'm so much happier than I was 10, 15, 20 years ago for sure. Yeah, so, for sure. Cool. So keep pushing. Yeah, keep pushing everyone. And remember like to have a good balance and to have good priorities and work hard. Sounds good. Thanks for joining us. We'll always love hearing from you guys. So definitely email or message us. And we both have an Etsy promotion going on for listeners of the podcast. You just use the promo code thumbnail and it's 25% off most of everything in our stores. So definitely check that out. If you're going to be buying something, you may as well use the promo code and get yourself a little bit of a discount. Yeah. All right. Have a great day, guys. Take care. Bye.